Welcome to the Hot Crime Cold Coffee podcast with Pauline and Angie. Each week we bring you new episodes on Wednesdays and Fridays. Each episode includes our favorite coffee that we're drinking, a missing person spotlight, and whatever case we're currently working on. We also have bonus episodes Monday through Friday, daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less, where we share trivia, true crime updates and headlines, and fun facts. So join us. Please be sure to follow us on social media for bonus material. Listener discretion is advised due to sensitive and sometimes violent content. Hey there, and welcome to episode 18, part 17 of the Vallow Daybell case. And we just finished recording episode 17 when we were rudely interrupted by children and dogs and crazy madness. So rude. Your dogs. My dogs, seriously, they're so dumb. I don't think they even knew what they were barking at outside. Well, didn't Charlie create a huge mess? Freaking yes. So I don't normally let the dogs in my room and I just happen to leave the door slightly ajar. So, you know, they had to bust right in there and all go sleep on my bed because, you know, that's where you want them all. But so I bought one of those big um, lint chocolate advent calendars from Costco for the kids. She Mm -hmm. ate the whole freaking thing. The whole thing. It's like, man. <laughs> Including all the paper. Yes. She chewed up all the paper. It was everywhere, all over my room. And it's like, she chews every, like, I have never, like, I know labs are like prolific chewers. I've never had a lab that was a chewer ever. And she is like making up for all the other ones that weren't, I think. Like, she's awful. UPS. I have notes on my UPS, but they're still <clears throat> piss me off. And they still leave them on my porch. I'm like, don't leave packages on my porch. My dog is stupid and will eat them. So I came home to two pairs of pants spread all over the lawn. Luckily, <laughs> she didn't damage them. And it's not the first thing. Like, I actually tell people when they're house sitting for me, I was like, I have packages that are coming. They're going to be here this day and this day. I need you to make sure that you are either there when they're delivered or shortly afterwards. Because Charlie is stupid and she will eat it. So if you don't see a package and you get there later in the evening, you have to go look for it because it will be somewhere outside and we have five acres. So it's not like, (laughs) it's not always easy to find. It's, oh Oh my God, that happened at my house. I told Ryan, I never find those pants. I know. I told Ryan, I was like, dude, we have to go and get one of those like really large totes for UPS and FedEx, like, and put like a UPS FedEx like sticker on the side of it. So they put them in there because they're going to continue to do that. And I can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation with them. I'm like, Hey, leave it in the shop, leave it by the garage. Like there's lots of other places they could leave it. And they all walk across the lawn while being like not mauled, obviously, because they're labs. So they just lick you to death by dogs when they could just leave it by the shop or garage. And I've told every single one of them, you know, this is where you need to leave it. I've put notes on our UPS online and our FedEx online. 
where it's delivery instructions to leave it at the shopping garage and they don't do it. I'm like, you guys. And then they argue with me. There's no notes on your account. Bullshit. You know what? I you should make again. a huge sign, make a huge sign and put it in front of your lawn because first of all, the shop is like way closer to where like the truck would stop. Like, I know the exactly. Right there. You have to walk like almost a hundred feet to the house from your driveway. No. Cause you know what? I'm not nice enough. If I were to make a sign, it would say UPS slash FedEx really big. And then it would say, listen, fuckers. That's how it would start out. <laughs> wow. You're really mad. Oh, I'm so tired. Like, obviously, yes, I'm in the process of training my dog. <laughs> She's still a puppy. Yes. You know, she doesn't know any better. She's learning, but she still doesn't know any better. They are adults. Yes. They do. I've had the conversation. And it's not like I have different UPS drivers every time. It's the same No, person. it's the same one. Is it the older guy with the shorts that even wears shorts in like minus 30 degree weather? No, I actually like him. Wait, the one with the beard? Mm, yeah. And like the sunglasses that he like always puts on top of his head. Yeah. And he was out and he's for got a while like that he mountain had, like, knee surgery or something. Yeah. 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 That one. Mm-mm. No, I actually really like him. He's super nice. I he's, like that one too. He is. Yeah. He's really nice. And yeah. No, he's always so good put at, it yeah. in the right spot, but for some reason we don't have him anymore. Like I think they switched his route or something. I don't know. I we still don't have, have him, him anymore. Lucky. I have some young guy who's dumb. He is really awesome. And, um, he is the only UPS driver that has never given treats to my dogs and my dogs love him. He probably carries bacon in his pocket or something. Maybe. Do you hear my whining dog? I do hear. Is that blue? Yes. He wants to go to bed. <laughs> he's mm. such a, oh my gosh. He's I have a so really whiny. random complaint. Do it. So I'm sitting here eating some of my kids Halloween candy because, you know, why wouldn't I? So the chocolate that comes in the bags, like the Reese's, especially the Reese's, I don't know why, but they're the worst. But when they're sold in the bags that have something Mm -hmm. fruity in them, like the Swedish fish or Skittles or anything like that, makes the chocolate taste weird. Like it always tastes gross. And you can always tell the ones that are either sold in the bags of all just chocolate or the ones that have free mm-hmm. things in them and they're gross you're right it gives it like a sweet weird weird taste it does and i don't understand why it's like they're wrapped individually each of them like that you there shouldn't be a reason but yeah it's gross and i don't like it so i'm always like i'll like take one of their peanut butter cups and be like mm, this is gonna, gonna be gross for the Yeah, I definitely think that chocolate candies should be separate from other candies. And I wish that when my kids got like their candy bags for whatever, besides Halloween, I wish they would keep their uh, candy separate, but they don't. And they get candy all the time. My supervisor actually makes little goodie bags for my kids, like for holidays. It's really sweet. That's nice. It is really nice. All right. We had a neighbor that brought a three foot. We had a neighbor that brought Mm -hmm. in over a three foot Easter bunny for the kids for Easter one year. Three freaking feet tall. It was a chocolate Easter bunny. That is disgusting. That's way (laughs) too much chocolate. 
I just started laughing. I was like, I want to see someone bite into it, like bite its ear off or something. <laughs> Can you guess which he one of my kids really, did? Caden? Mm-hmm. Of course she did. Okay. He's just being super whiny. Well, he's just going to have to deal until we're done because that's life. He's Hello. worse than a husband, that dog. Too bad he's so stinking cute. He's looking at me like with a mad face. He's like, <laughs> he's like, mom, it's bedtime. I know. He's got like the arched eyebrows and like his sad little mouth, kind of like what Eli does. And he's like, mom, let's go to bed. Oh my gosh, what a whiner. He is super cute though. He's like the best puppy. And I thought I would not like a small dog. I despise small dogs. And this one is the absolute best. So hopefully he'll continue to be patient. All right, featured coffee. What do you got for us tonight, Ange? Our featured coffee is Captain um, Storm Warning. It is a coffee made. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so these coffees, they, I lost my place. Uh, so they're all high caffeine. I think they're all high caffeine. Um, they are. They're dark roast. They're specifically made, uh, like the two guys that started making it both work on or started working on boats or something like that. They were fishermen. So they needed something really strong to help them stay awake. Um, pretty good coffee. It, the smell, like it's one of those coffees, like there's a lot of coffees, like it smells good. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a good coffee. This is one of those coffees, like you open it. It smells amazing. And it tastes just as good as it smells. It's pretty fantastic, actually. Um, so these guys, their coffee uh, proceeds from the sales of their coffees go to help uh, people that have had fishing accidents. Um, I don't know if it's, is it commercial or? Um, it is commercial. I think, it's just, um, I think it's just in general. Are you talking about the charity? Yeah. I obviously, I think it's in general. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool um, because a lot of people that spend a lot of time on boats, um, it's kind of inevitable that you end up having, I don't want to say they all end up having an accident, but you know, it's not uncommon for them to have accidents. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the two founders are uh, Jake Anderson and Scott Spearbeck. Jake Anderson, you've probably seen him before if you've watched Discovery Channel's The Deadliest Catch. He was in the first episode, New Beginnings. He is a fourth generation crab fisherman, professional skateboarder, author, and avid entrepreneur super random combination. <laughs> I don't oh, know no. why I find that so weird. I think it's the skateboarder like with everything else. Like I can see being a fisherman and an author and an entrepreneur, like those go hand in hand. Like that makes sense. You're going to have stories to tell you, you know, if you're a crab fisherman, you've seen some stuff, but like the professional skateboarder just kind of like, <laughs> where do you do your skating? If you are a fisherman. Yeah, anyway. that is a little, that is a weird combo. And then they also donate to another charity too, right? It's not just the uh, Seattle Fisherman's Fund. They also donate 
a portion of their proceeds to the Planet Water Foundation, which focuses on providing fresh, uh, clean drinking water, I believe. We got distracted with our silly children and our silly dogs. Mm -hmm. That even though we have it all mapped out today, um, I wrote, I was right. So Planet Water Foundation is a nonprofit organization that focuses on bringing clean water to some of the world's most impoverished communities. So should you purchase any of the Captain coffees? We've only tried the one. Um, there's another one that they have coming out with Lion's Mane that I really want to try. It's on pre-order. Yes, me too. Which we pre-ordered it, so hopefully we get it sooner rather than later. Um, they, they're a portion of their proceeds go to two really great charities, which Angie and I were talking about doing a post on our website of coffees, but you know, coffees for a cause. Yeah, because you know, we like when our money stretches a little bit further, and it's yeah. one of the reasons why we focus on you know the smaller coffee companies and what they do missing person spotlight wait one more thing oh they also have some pretty cool merch um so you can check oh, that out yeah, it's captain yeah captaincoffee.com um i believe you can also buy it on amazon captain is k-a-p-t-e-i-n um coffee.com um, yeah, they've got some pretty red shirts on there. And then if you would like your coffee to be spotlighted, um, as a coffee of the week, send us an email bag of coffee. Cause obviously we have to try it in order to be able to review it. And, um, yeah, we'll be more than happy to help you out. Our email is crimecoffee at hotcrimecoldcoffee.com. Um, email, always... DM us, whatever. Get a hold of social us. media. <laughs> I always forget like to add that in there. That's so funny. What? Yeah, to add the, you know, if you want us to be featured. Oh. <laughs> There's so much that we have to remember and we take notes, lots and lots and lots of notes. Lots and lots but, and lots of notes. So if sometimes it sounds like we're reading, we are. So. <laughs> Yeah, and remember it's not, like we how, it's not like we haven't talked about it and actually discussed it beforehand, but you know, you, sometimes you gotta read your notes because you get brain dead and at the end of the day when you have as many kids as we do and dogs and other animals and everything else. And I use an actual notebook. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I have a notebook that I write all this random stuff in throughout the day. I still nope, refuse to read books online. Like, well, that's not true. It's mostly okay, true. There's something wrong with you. No, I don't like reading books online. Like I prefer to have the actual book in my hand. There's something about the feel of the paper, the smell of the book, like just, yeah, no, any day I would. Yeah. I would take a paperback book and then rather than reading something online and it's easier on my eyes too. And you okay, know what? That I'm is getting true. old, I'm getting old. I really need things that are not difficult on my eyes yeah I just I was reminded of that today we had open enrollment this week and I'm going through like all of you know medical insurance and 
death insurance and life, not death insurance, life insurance and all of that other stuff. And I'm like, ah, right. When you get to the point where it's like, it asks what year you were born and you're having to scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. You're like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. William was pretty annoying. William was nice enough to tell me the other day. So Mm -hmm. I was, what was I doing? I was doing something. So I had, I had stuff in my hair. What was I doing? I don't remember. I had stuff in my hair and he looks at me and he like brushes my hair back a little bit. And he goes, mom, you're getting old. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like out of oh the, bl- like out of nowhere, just sitting there. And he's like staring at me and his like wrinkles, his eyebrows and everything. And he's just like looking at me. I was like, what's going on, buddy? And he just like reaches up and like lightly touches my hair. He's like, you're getting old. And then Ryan starts laughing. So of course he thinks it's hilarious. So he keeps saying it. (laughs) That's cute. Oh my gosh. He just has like the biggest heart and he's just, oh my gosh. I love your boys. They're so stinking cute. I don't think it's cute. I think it's stupid. (laughs) I think it's cute. All right. Missing person spotlight. We are still going alphabetical order through the States. Uh, mainly the oldest missing cases. And this is Kansas. Kansas has four pages of missing children, just children, not even all of pages. Yeah. I think it's a total of 65. So not, not the state with the most missing children, but for a state that's pretty rural, rural, 65 missing children with the oldest back to 1973. Yes, that is a little crazy. So we have John Doe, 1973. He was found on April 18th, 1973 in a shallow stream about 180 feet from 1550 Road in Garnet, Kansas. He's an unidentified white male, and based on the conditions of the remains, he had likely been deceased two to four weeks prior to when they found his body. He is believed to have been between 18 to 20 years old. That's why he's listed as a juvenile. He had brown and wavy hair, approximately five inches in length, and a slender build. He was found wearing blue jeans with a stop sign patch symbol on the back left pocket and a black leather belt with large buffalo nickel, with a large buffalo nickel buckle, waist length brown corduroy jacket with a zipper closure, sturdy wear brand, size small, a green long sleeved button up shirt from JC Penney, also a small, black leather gloves, a navy blue stocking cap, blue socks and brown hiking boots from the Vomper brand. He was also found wearing two gold rings with crosses a third ring bearing the number 78 and a silver chain with large silver cross, approximately two inches in length. The featured reconstruction. So what they did is they uh, did a rendering of what they thought he would look like, um, which can be seen on the missingkids.org website, which is the website for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And that's what they think he looked like. You know, they can only go off of 
basically a facial reconstruction. And those kind of can vary. It depends on how good the artist is, as well as what was last state of decom decomposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if anyone has <laughs> any information, they can reference the case number 1773 or, or for the Anderson County Coroner or the Anderson, Anderson County Sheriff's Office. The reference number is 0922941. And the phone numbers are the Anderson County Coroner is 785-204-4013 or the County Sheriff's Office is 785 Four four eight five six seven eight. I feel like with what he was wearing, it's kind of like that's like a pretty distinctive outfit. It is, and but you have to remember a lot. There were a lot of and jewelry wanderers, though. Like back then, this is like the early seventies, so depending on where you live, there were people hitchhiking all over the country to California, to the East Coast, to the West Coast. It could be, it, it could be, you know, and it, in that time period, you know, this is right towards the end of the Vietnam War. People are still avoiding the draft. He could have run away from home. Um, I mean, he, he's, he could be from a completely different state and may have dressed completely differently when that happened. Yeah, that's true. Looking back on a lot of these cases, a lot of these people were not even reported missing. It was like, oh, they left, they went hitchhiking and they never came back. It'd be so that weird. Just, but that's a lot of those cases from like the 60s and 70s of missing people, especially like, you know, young adults that, it is uh, many of them weren't even reported missing it's a little weird but i guess see, you know it, that, i can't during even that time period though see it's it's that crazy thing like obviously i would do that for my kids but it's like i can't <laughs> i we went out of town we went to mm -hmm. um yeah when we went out of town this last weekend and i told elise that we were leaving mind mm -hmm. you she's 21 i told her we were leaving i and, but I didn't remind her before we left that we were leaving. So she sends oh. me a text and I didn't respond to her. So then I like, when I finally get into service, I have all these texts from her. She's like, ma'am, I called you and you didn't even text me back. And now you're not responding. Where are you? Like freaking out to the point where she <laughs> drove to my house. So she drove an hour to my house to do a wellness check on me because she was freaking Aww. out so bad. <laughs> this is a, within a matter cute. of like two days, two days. She's just like, you can't do that to me. You didn't tell me you were leaving. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yes, I did. She's like, no, you did. <laughs> oh my it gosh. It was hilarious and sweet, but it was totally ridiculous. It's like, ma'am. She's like, you can't yeah. do that to me. What would I, what would I do if something happened to you? How was I supposed to know? I'm like, um, who's the adult? Who's the parent? Maybe calm down. I'm like, you do realize that I can, like, even when she was in high school, if she came home from school and I wasn't here, I'd get a text. Where are you? Why aren't you here? What time are you coming home? I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Neva does that same thing. So I guess it, 
it's good to know that we have kids that care enough to like they would report it to the police if we disappeared oh, but absolutely. then we have other kids who are like eh she'll show back up I honestly Eventually. think that if we didn't if we didn't have someone here house sitting for us that she was able to mm -hmm. talk to that she would have filed a missing persons she, report on me oh she totally would have yeah like she Isn't fully would have comfort um kind, kind of I guess yeah I mean That's yeah good. it is like it's it's nice to know that if I was ever actually missing she'd probably be the first to know and do something about it <laughs> right freaking kid oh my gosh dog you need to stop <laughs> he really wants to go to bed so um I don't really have any new updates or headlines really um because I did talk about them in the previous episode but there was one thing I did want to bring up so I saved it there's Kim Kardashian's new podcast. She started a true crime podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's called Kim Kardashian's The System, The Case of Kevin Keith, which rose to the number one spot on all the charts, outranking Joe Rogan's podcast and Meghan Markle's podcast. So she's at number one. And Kim Kardashian is known for... Megan Markle had Her, a podcast about sorry it's called archetypes but let's yeah I mm. it's not mm. we're yeah, not even okay. gonna go anyway, there yeah I couldn't get through the first 10 minutes of it I feel but like that's I don't think there's really preference. anyone that <laughs> cares that much about what she has to say <laughs> sorry I don't know nice. I mean she has a nice talking voice but look at Kim Kardashian right so the, her whole podcast. I don't have anything is, nice to say. Well, listen to the podcast and then you tell me. But listen to me first about what I think and what other people no, are saying. No, I would keep you interrupting you. Yeah, Oh, and the dog. <laughs> and the dog too. So blue will too. Pathetic. Blue's on my side. So she's been pretty active in uh, prison reform, and she has helped a couple people and I mentioned this in one of the dailies she has helped a couple people who were wrongfully convicted um get or who um had a pretty heavy sentence that wasn't that didn't fit their crime she's she's helped them and so she chose this case apparently it was a case that was brought to her attention by I believe it was a producer and so she started looking into it and she believes that Kevin Keith is innocent and that he has been wrongfully incarcerated and a lot of people are throwing shade at her because they're like uh Kim Kardashian you know now she's trying to do this like she just needs to leave true crime alone and other people are like well here's one other person jumping on the bandwagon who doesn't really have any talent they just have really good producers and then the victims of the shooting because um what happened was that a shooter and the and the person convicted of this crime 
is Kevin Keith, but a shooter came into the home killing three people and injuring three others. And apparently there wasn't any, this was in 1994. This was in 1994. And Apparently at the time, or this is what I haven't dug into it at all, but that might be something that Angie and I will do because we are looking for something for our episodes after the Velo Daybell case. But basically, he is claiming that there's no physical evidence that connects him to the crime. Two of the victims, so two of the three victims that were wounded but weren't murdered, they said that they saw him like they were eyewitnesses. Yes, they were children at the time, but they were eyewitnesses that saw him do it. So what if no physical evidence connected him? They saw him. He did it and he needs to stay in prison. He was initially sentenced to death and then his sentence was commuted to life without parole. So. Again. It comes down to personal opinion and if you think he did it or not, if if you um, think that Kim Kardashian is doing this, you know, not for the fame and money, but because she honestly does believe what he's doing. And to be honest, the podcast, I mean, it's good. It's very well produced. And that's all I have to say about that. How old were the kids when they, when this happened? I'm not sure. I don't have my, I can't read my notebook in the closet. There's no light. (laughs) I'm still hiding from my children, which that hasn't done me very good, but they were younger. The only thing about that is like kids are, kids are highly are are very easily influenced. And a lot of times like things that, you know, they swear they saw, it was not that it was imagined, but it gets so warped over time or because of if there's trauma involved too, it's, it doesn't like cloud their judgment, but it makes it, trying to think of how to phrase this, it makes them harder to see like the facts as they were, you know, it's like a, I would consider it a tainted testimony, honestly. It, you know, it kind of depends. It kind of depends on the kids because there are cases that have been built on victim statements and eyewitness that have been four and six. I can't remember which case it was, but there was Uh, It was featured on Dateline not too long ago, but a little girl, she was three years old. She was the one who, and they, they did connect him eventually with physical evidence, but her mother's boyfriend had killed her in front of the little girl and. Right. But that's someone she, that she knew it's someone she knew and was familiar with. Like if it's a stranger and it like they saw them as they were running by kind of a thing, 
like then I don't know how how much so data I would actually the, give that testimony. Okay, like it really depends but, on the circumstance and the age of the kid. Because I don't does. know, I don't know anything. So about it. these kids at the time, so this happened on February thirteenth, nineteen ninety four. The kids were four and six, and they actually knew Keith. He was a friend of their dad's. So, you know, and he got, he got convicted. Um, can kids give false, uh, statement and testimony? Absolutely. Is it tainted? Sometimes I do believe though that sometimes, and, but that can happen with adults too. Absolutely. So I think it just depends. And even though law enforcement and the law in general and the judicial system puts a lot of weight when there are eyewitness statements, they're you not- You still have to be able to back it up with- Absolutely. Other evidence. And I don't think, absolutely. And I don't think that any case should be built off of that, but a lot of the times there are. And that is definitely something that could be wrong in our system. It's really case by case by case. Oh, you really have to look at it. And and there are people who lie on the stand. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's people that are hiding other things. And so they'll give false witness statements. It's happened. It's happened. It happens all the time. Yeah, totally. So having the evidence to back it up is important um but then you look at the whole case with uh pamela hupp and when she killed well she allegedly killed her friend but what she did is she have you heard of that case Mm -mm. it's been featured on dateline there's a whole serial about it there is a whole um there's a whole like podcast series about it there's that uh tv series that renee zellweger did but pamela hub was like the witness the star witness the key witness And even though they had all of this evidence that said that she did it and that um, the spouse of her friend, Russ Faria, even though he had like five there, he had so many alibis. He had four people that said that he was with them the whole time. He was still convicted. There were receipts, there were traffic camps. Yes, it is one of the most insane cases on the planet so she's facing charges for the murder of russ's wife and but he was convicted did you not hear about this no so in i'd have to backtrack because i didn't have it up i didn't research this because we're going off topic but Betsy for okay so in 2000 this is like the the gist of it but in 2011 Betsy Faria was murdered at home okay and they pinned it on her husband Russ 
their start with the prosecutor star witness. And there was a lot of like prosecute prosecutorial misconduct, small town judge knows the prosecutor, the prosecutor sleeping with the detective, but their whole case against Russ Faria was based off of Pam Hupp's statements. Even though the evidence led to Pam Hupp, they actually convicted Russ Faria. He spent time in prison until he was exonerated. Now she's being what? charged. Yes. There's a, okay. Wait, how long the was he in prison of, for? I think like two to three years. Oh my gosh. What about, talk about an injustice. Oh, that's crazy. But see, but she manipulated everybody and she was a witness. She was like, she knew everything and everything. And like, it's so twisted. You have to watch the thing about Pam with Renee Zellweger. And it's almost identical to the Dateline episodes that they did about this case, the whole serial, it's like almost identical. And if you see footage of Renee Zellweger with, and you put it next to the footage of Pam Hupp, oh my gosh, it's like the same exact like person. She does a killer job wow. of portraying Pam Hupp. But the whole, you're sitting there like, this is not real. This could not be true. No, there's no way. Was law enforcement that stupid? Like you sit there and you cannot figure out how they even came to that conclusion. Especially again, Russ Freya had four people that gave him an alibi. He was at game night that he did every week with four of his friends. And the prosecutor's like, oh, they all four of them made it up. That's so weird. They're all in on it. I know it. It's really super, super bizarre. You need to check out that case. It's and sh anyway, she has not yet. Um, she has not yet faced trial for the murder of Betsy. She was convicted with an Alfred plea of killing somebody else she also possibly murdered her mother what oh it gets yeah so she is currently serving a life sentence for the 2016 murder of lewis gumpenberger so when russ faria was released from prison she realized that law enforcement was on to her and so she decided to frame him for another murder. So what she did is she killed Lewis Gumpenberger. And there's a whole 911 call. I mean, she did all of this stuff to make it look like Russ hired this guy to kill and kidnap her and take her money or steal her money, which. Oh my, yeah, it's anyway. So the guy that she was trying to frame Russ, so he would go back to prison 
she used this guy Gumpenberger to um, basically frame Russ and she set up this whole attempted murder kidnapping and then she killed the guy wow. in self-defense. It, it, it's crazy. Like, I'm serious. You sit there the whole time and you're like, no, 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 that, no. It's, it is one a whole of the new most- meaning to crazy girlfriend. And it's not even a crazy girlfriend. She's just some crazy lady. She was the friend. She was friends with Betsy. She didn't even, she barely even knew Russ, but Betsy was dying of cancer. Pam made her sign over her life insurance policy, murdered her, framed Russ. Russ went to prison for I don't even know how that even happened because there was no evidence showing that he did it. And all of the evidence you could see it was all a setup and that he was framed. He got released. She tries to frame him for her attempted murder and kidnapping, kills that guy, gets convicted of his murder. Her mom died, possibly murdered her. Are you following? Yeah. And now she's finally going to trial for the murder of Betsy Freya, which started this whole thing. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So witnesses can be tampered with. Witnesses can also give false statement and false testimony. So listen to Kim Kardashian's podcast. I think here's the thing, regardless if you believe that Keith did it or not. Kim Kardashian is really trying to highlight some of the problems that come with wrongful convictions, which do happen all of the time, unfortunately, and um, decide if you think that he, that Keith did it or not. And that's basically what it comes down to. She does a good job. It's very well researched. It's very well produced. Um, and go from there. All right. Where are we at? We're at. We're, we're doing. July. We're going to do July, July, August, September, October, November. Oh, we're just, and there's really not a lot. There's not a lot that Mm -hmm. happened. Most of it is just more interviews and stuff because in that whole time, what they were doing is that they were building the case Yep. so that they could getting um, background, building the case, getting all their charges against them yep yep because it's going to be almost a year after they found the kids that they file the murder charges and and they're also looking into and um interviewing people about um tammy daybell and the Mm -hmm. night before she was found dead and the people that attended her memorial service and all that other stuff Right. Like they fully start and, investigating her death too. Right. Because they'd already done the autopsy and everything. They already, uh, they're not sure if the paintball gun incident 
that Tammy had called in if it was actually a murder attempt or not. Wait, they have done the autopsy at this point? Yeah, they did it. Yeah, they did it two months after she died. Yep. Oh, that's right. That's right. So they're just building the case. So they found the kids in June. They arrested Chad. Lori was already in, um, was already being held in jail for, was it? It had something to do with uh, abandonment or negligence of kids, something like that. We've mentioned it in a previous episode. I don't have it pulled up. And then Chad was arrested for uh, tampering with the body. But what they're doing is they're building that whole case, which is going to take them months because it's a process. It's gathering all of the information all of the information, all of the evidence, and then using that to tell the story and having enough evidence that isn't just circumstantial that actually points to them as the ones that did it. And Alex, who everyone believes had a huge part in it, he's deceased. So there's a lot of missing pieces and the whole point is they're trying to uh, gather enough information so that they can basically charge them with murder. All right. Um, You did this one last time, Angie. So I'm going to do July through the end of 2020. And like I said, there wasn't a lot of information. There was a grand jury that was held sometime between July and May of 2022. I'm not sure exactly when that was held. I'll have to look back at my notes, but beginning July of 2020 on July 1st, Chad Daybell was scheduled to appear in court for the, for a preliminary hearing. Again, the murder charges weren't filed until May of 2021. Some of the records were sealed because the prosecutors felt that it would preserve a right to a fair trial. And that is absolutely legitimate. Um, July 22nd, 2020, Lori and Chad believed that the end of the world was going to be on July 22nd, 2020. We all know that that wasn't the end of the world, but it played into their whole belief system that she and Chad were gods and they were going to be taken up into the heavens or wherever anyone goes during what's it called? Um, the ascension no the yes rapture. it's had so many names the rapture there's so many names rapture. Over the i know and in their faith it is not called the rapture but it's not referred to as, as the rapture but most people will get the reference and july 22nd ascension. Is it? there's there's ascension there's the rapture there's the second coming there's there's a lot of different ways to put it but the rapture, every couple of years, the rapture is coming and it does not. And if you know anything about Mormon beliefs, 
then no one knows when this is going to happen. So regardless, there's no way that Char that uh, Chad and Lori would have been able to have predicted it because it says no one will be able to predict the time or place. Yeah. So take that's not just a Mormon belief though. That's no, I think that's it's a biblical thing. Through all, yeah. Anyone that reads it's, the Bible has heard that. And it's you know, it's it said a couple different ways, but that is the gist of it. That right. nobody will know when the second coming or the rapture or the ascension or whatever you call it will be. So that kind of uh their prediction, yeah, it wasn't really a prediction. <laughs> it's like when Y2K um, was gonna happen. And then there's all Oh my people. gosh, I remember that. Oh my gosh. It anyway. was scary. There was so much paranoia. Yes. Uh, law enforcement continued through the rest of July to interview neighbors. They interviewed family members and they interviewed people who were at Tammy Daybell's um, memorial as well as people that had seen her before she died. So they're building the case against Chad and Lori for the murders of all three, including Tammy Daybell. Because remember, the autopsy had been done and she was um, reburied. Uh, in August, again, there were a lot of interviews that were done. There was a preliminary hearing done on August 3rd and August 4th. And there was two days of testimony. I think that that was before the indictment. I always get those confused. Um, and the judge who was still Farron Eddins at the time bound it over to district court. Usually when they change it to district court that means that more serious charges are going to be brought usually it's felonies or um capital murder cases things like that they know it's not a misdemeanor anymore for sure a hundred percent and then everything just kind of slows down until 2021 and there's really there wasn't a lot of information that was released to the public during that time it was mainly just interviews um people made statements to the media but there was nothing new that really popped up on that case until the beginning of 2021 it's kind of interesting when you go back and you look at like the timeline of interviews and stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of people that were interviewed multiple times. So like right. Melanie Gibb was interviewed August 1st, and then she was interviewed again on August 19th and then interviewed. Actually, I think, I believe she was also interviewed in June as well. And then she was, um, interviewed again, um, 
October 20th. And then there's also Craig Huff, who was interviewed multiple times too. Um, mm-hmm. 99, 928, and 11. Are you talking about 2020 or 2021? 2020. 2020. Yeah. Melanie was interviewed multiple times in 2019 too. Yeah. It's, um, and it looks like every time that she was interviewed, she was interviewed by different, different people. Like it was never the same. Like it was special prosecutor, Rob Wood and RPD detectives the first time. Well, at least in August and then Mm -hmm. Chandler PD, um, again in August and then Rexford PD in October. But for Craig Huff, it, I think it looks like the same person every time. No, same police officer twice, but then Rexburg PD, Lieutenant Ron Ball, and Special, Special Prosecutor Rob Wood. And then after that, it's Rexburg PD Detective Chuck Kunsaintis. I'm not sure. I don't either. And but yeah, they could have been interviewed additional times too. This is just what we have access to. But the amount of interviews that were done on this case, and you have to remember, it's not just Rexburg and Idaho that are doing a lot of the investigating. It's Arizona too, because yep. this case has bounced around from some for or in so many different states and i'm sure that utah law enforcement also helped as well hawaii not so much but they were basically the the ones who found chad and lori and um how lori got extradited back to idaho and there's really not a lot that goes on in this case until March of 2021 it's just more and more and more interviews because they're you know I'm sure that there were a lot of reasons why this case was so hard to build we've talked about the majority of them but you have multiple victims you have multiple um, witnesses, you have multiple states involved, and so much evidence that they really had. I think they really had to dig. And not having Alex, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be, be pieced together. Like I mentioned in yeah, our last seriously. episode, do we even know where the actual murder scene was? That hasn't been released. And we don't even know if they have found that for either child. We do yeah. know that Tammy died at home in her bedroom, but that wasn't considered a murder scene. And it wasn't determined that her death was suspicious until after the, after fact. the yep. fact. I mean, the wedding rings were bought when she was still alive and still married to Chad. And her life insurance policy had been up to just before she died. So 
we can assume uh, we know that it was suspicious it could absolutely be a coincidence all of this could be coincidental coincidental it's highly unlikely but uh innocent until proven guilty and that needs to be our mantra because it's so hard not to sit here and point fingers and be like oh they did it and it's really hard to sit back and be like well this person was interviewed 500 times they had to have known something they were close <laughs> you know there's multiple there's multiple people that look like they should be co-conspirators but they no one else has been charged now there was still that grand jury from december of 2021 Yep, they're not releasing any info on, and it wasn't about Lori or Chad. Nope. So, and and maybe the grand jury comes of that, and and it could be that they concluded there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute. There could be that. So, hopefully, it comes out. It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting. We do know it's not going to be January of twenty twenty three. But um, the judge did say that he's hoping to have a new date sooner rather than later. We have the two court hearings next week for Lori's competency and also to sever the cases with this judge. I don't, with Judge Boyce, I never know what direction he's going to head. I would be surprised if they sever the cases. Well, there's so many different things that need to be considered, though. And the first thing that has to be considered is a fair trial. And I know that there's people who are like, they don't deserve it. They well, but that's what our that is what our system is built on. It's built on that everyone deserves a fair trial. And if it were my family member, even though I know that they're guilty, right? I would still want them to have a fair trial. The other thing too, is that they have to do this right. And they have to do it right the first time. So there's absolutely no chance of appeals if they are mistrial or anything else. Yep. 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 And because there's so much stuff, it's so easy to make a mistake. Yep. I mean, you've got multiple, I mean, okay. Think about this case has already been through multiple, multiple judges, right? There are multiple lawyers involved and Lori and Chad between them have gone through like five or six lawyers, which John Pryor has stayed with Chad from the very beginning, but there were lawyers before that. And um, Lori's current lawyers, she's only had for not even a year. Hmm. Because her other lawyer means, I can't even remember, Mark, is it Mark Means? Mark Means was disqualified from the case because there was a conflict of interest. And I think that was in May or June of this year. I'm not sure, but I do know that her lawyers have not been her lawyers for very long. And she deserves a fair trial too. So, you know. It is, it is what it is. And so I think that it's all going to depend on the competency hearing on Wednesday. That's what I think. 
I hope because you can't. Just... <laughs> well, in order to be competent, you have to be able to participate and understand the proceedings. And she may or may not. It, you know, a lot of people think it's a farce. It could be. She could be very mentally ill. I don't know. I'm not a mental health professional or therapist, though I can give you lots of th theories because I've been doing, you know, I've been working in the mental health field for almost longer than I've been alive since I was 16. That's like more than half my life almost. That is more than half my life. Holy crap. That is more than <laughs> half my life. You're old. And at least two jobs at the same time. So I've got double the experience. So technically I could say I have over 50 years experience. Uh, I could say that, but I've been doing mental health for longer than, you know, since I was 16 and I can tell you my theories, but without being in the room and knowing exactly what's going on, it could or could not be a farce. Anyone who kills their kids and if she did it, I would be really depressed if I did that with my kids. I would probably no longer be living but um yeah I, I could never get to uh, no as much as our kids drive us crazy like no oh my gosh just, no no, like, no. Wouldn't even ever enter my mind like yeah I mean there's times where you're just like I'm gonna freaking kill them but it doesn't mean you're actually going to like kill them okay we need to be done because I'm falling asleep all right yay all right, so next week's episode. So we're back on track after this weekend. Again, we apologize that it took so long, but it has been a horrible, crazy, insane week. Uh, next week's episode, we'll start with the beginning of 2021. And we'll probably go all the way through to June or July of 2021 a lot of this stuff slows down but it doesn't and so we'll get into more detail don't forget to subscribe save follow rate um <coughs> it helps us to continue to do what we're doing follow us on social media at hot crime cold coffee and we will we'll see you next week Bye.